Hello, and welcome to the Scottish Clans Podcast. I'm Clint Edwards, and I'll be your host to discuss the Scottish Clans today. Today, I want to cover down on some things that I failed to go into enough depth in my earlier episodes on the ethnic origins of the Scottish clans. I really don't feel like I gave enough attention to the Norse and Norman clans. There's been some pretty important kindreds in Scottish history that have come through those origins. And so forgive me if I have covered a little bit of this in the previous episode, but I just felt like I needed to do a little bit of justice, so I'm going to jump into that subject today. First off, I think I'll talk about the Norse as, in chronology, they come first. And just just to tell you, I know that the Normans were, in their origin, Norsemen anyway. And but they don't they don't really establish a presence in the British Isles until the famous Battle of Hastings in 1066. And so we're going to go to an earlier time period when we f- first see the Norse invaders move into the British Isles and establish a presence there. Now, just a brief background before I jump into what specific clans came from these Scandinavian settlers. I'll, I'll give you before I do that. I'll I'll give you an overview of the the introduction of Scandinavians into the British Isles and specifically into Scotland. So, the first records of Scandinavian raiders in the British Isles are in the late 700s. And that happened both on the east coast of England at Lindisfarne, but also in the Irish Sea region, this in between the island of Ireland and Great Britain. We see them come in there at roughly the same time period, and they with a with a raid on Rathlin Island off of Ireland. Now, in reading Alex Wolfe's book about the 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 transition from Pictland to Alaba. He states in there, and he, he discusses the Vikings and their introduction into this part of the British Isles at length. Actually, he talks about the Scandinavian involvement in the British Isles as a whole quite a bit. But he is under the conviction that before we see them pop up on the historical record in the late 700s, that they were already established probably in the Isles probably the Northern Isles off the north coast of Scotland. Today we know them as Orkney and Shetland. They probably had a presence there, maybe in the Hebrides off of the west coast of Scotland, and that they were using those as staging points for raids further south. And so throughout the period of time, we see them gain a pretty solid foothold in the uh, the islands off of Scotland. They controlled the Orkney and Shetland islands. They... They had a, they were the dominant culture within the Hebrides, and and you know they controlled the coastal areas of Ireland, and that's just kind of a very general, simplistic overview of their territory in Scotland. Not it was it wasn't just the islands, but there's evidence that they had a pretty strong presence in the adjacent mainland parts of Scotland. In 870, they raided a, a combined. There, there are two Scandinavian warlords slash kings that m- attacked the Clyde Rock, where the Britons of Clyde Rock had their the capital of their kingdom, and the Britons held out pretty good for a while until they ran out of water, and then it was open season on Britons for the Scandinavians. 
anyway, they they stayed. And in fact, Scotland didn't get back the they didn't get the Hebrides until the after the the Battle of Largs in 1263. A lot of people look at that as the moment when Scotland acquired those those Scandinavian territories to the west of Scotland, but it actually happened a little bit later than that. It, it was definitely the set the conditions for the Scottish acquisition of those isles, but they didn't acquire the Northern Isles of Orkney and, and Shetland until the 1400s. So you have this very established Scandinavian presence in Scotland uh, starting in the late, probably in the late 700s. And so I just want to talk next about some of the clans that we see come out of that and, and maybe just a short note on each of those clans. Um, and I'm, I'm going to go kind of alphabetically with this. Now, first, we've got the McCaskills of, of Lewis. You have the Macaulays. Now, the Macaulays, that's an interesting clan. I'll, I'm going to pause my list of Norse clans here for a minute and talk about the Macaulays because I found something interesting, and, and I may have mentioned this in an earlier episode. And by the way, I don't go back and listen to all my other episodes before I go in and start a new one. And so... You know, if I've already discussed this a little bit, please forgive me. But the Macaulays, I just find this interesting. They have have at least two established clans within Scotland, and one is the Macaulays of Arden Capel. And there's evidence that they had a strong connection and maybe an origin with the early Earls of Lennox. And then you have the Macaulays of Lewis. Now, the Macaulays of Lewis, they did some DNA testing with them, and they found something really interesting. You would expect a clan with the name of Macaulay, which is basically a, a Gallic version of the son of Olaf. Uh, Ollie is a—I'm not going to go into the linguistic transition that happened there, and, and I'm probably not even qualified to do it. However, it's the son of Olaf, and so we're thinking, surely, with that Scandinavian of a name, even though it's a Gaelic— or a Gallic version of it. These, this is a, a Norse clan in origin, in bloodline. So they did some DNA testing, and actually the vast majority of, at least a strong majority of people that they tested, their DNA comes from the indigenous population of southwest Ireland in the kingdom of Munster, or Muin in, in Gaelic. And so that's interesting that they would... Anyway, it, it defies the linguistic origin of their name. The, the DNA and the linguistic origins are completely different. And so there's a few different reasons that could have happened. One was the Vikings took slaves. They would raid, they'd gather up people, and they'd either sell them or keep them for their own slaves. And just like what happened with slavery later on in, the, in, the, in North America— and I don't know about other parts of the Americas where this was happening, but in North America, the slaves often, when they needed a surname, they would take the name of the people who, who owned the property that they were a slave on. And so you have a lot of these um, people of African descent who possess very either Anglo or Celtic last names because that's the origin of the people that, they, that owned the plantation or, or whatever it was. And the same thing probably happened with the Scandinavians who are taking local native people as slaves 
And perhaps there was somebody from the Isle of Lewis, a Scandinavian, who was raiding down in Ireland, took, some, took these people back to Lewis, and they worked there and ended up adopting the name of their, their master, Olaf. Another possibility is you have a, a Gale who just liked the name Olaf, or Ollie, and named their kid Ollie, and that person became a person of such note that their descendants became known as Mac Ollie, son of Ollie, or son of Olaf, and there you have the origin of that name. There's just a couple of possibilities, but just interesting that the DNA origin of that would come from not a Scandinavian origin. Anyway, you have also going down the list of clans from a from a Scandinavian origin, at least linguistically, you have McCorkadale, you have the McCotters, which is not Mac Cotter. It's even though that's kind of how it's spelled sometimes. It's actually Mac Otter. You also have MacIver, who you know if you've any of you familiar with the TV show, the old U.S. TV show called MacIver, that would really be a a version of the name of Mac Iver. You also have McKittrick, which would be son of Citric in the genitive case in Gaelic. You drop the you, you put an H next to that S in Cidric, and you it, it kind of make, turns the S into an H sound. Anyway, so you don't pronounce the S, and it sounds like McKittrick. And so there you have the that version of that name. Now, you also have the, the guns. Now, I, I have read an article on the guns, and I don't have... I have the article of it, and the article of it is that, that I'm referring to... And I, I looked for the name, the author, the name of the author of this article, and I could not find it anywhere on the article. So if you're out there and you're listening to this, I apologize for not citing this. Just know that it's not an effort to plagiarize information or just be rude. I just actually looked on that paper and I couldn't find it anywhere on there. But this, whoever the author of this article was claimed that the guns were actually also of a native origin to the area of Caithness, that they were descended from the Picts, who were native to that area. Now, that was his assertion. The mainstream assertion is that the guns are descended from a Norseman named Gunner or Gunny and lends his name to the, the clan. I don't know which one it was, so just know that there's a, a competing theory out there. I don't know how well it's accepted in the scholarly community. I haven't seen any comment on it. You can, you can go with whichever one suits you until you find out better information. One of the major clans that we know comes from a Scandinavian background are the MacLeods, the, the sons of Laod. Now, this clan, I'll just give a brief history on this clan. They're, they were a major clan, and I think they deserve maybe a little bit more of a mention here. The MacLeods eventually broke into two separate branches. Now, just know that in Gaelic, there's a lot of ways to denote a kindred. So, clan is a Gaelic word. And so we, we have that one that's pretty wide use today. But there's some other words that were in common use in Gaelic but have not passed into English to the degree that clan has. And one of those words is sheel. Sheel is, is pronounced, or it's spelled S-I-O-L. And what it literally means is the seed of. And you'll see this if you get into the Gaelic literature, you see it pop up more, more frequently. And in the case of the MacLeods, the two branches of the MacLeods that we see, the two major branches are the Sheel Tormid and the Sheel Torquil. Now the Sheel Tormid, they become the most dominant branch of the two. 
They're also known as, that their chief was known as McLeod of McLeod, and the clan, the, the broader kindred, was known as McLeod of Harrison Denvegan. And they were the ones who had the castle of Denvegan, which they still occupy to this day. And they employed the McCrimmons as their pipers. Anyway, and the, the other branch are the McLeods of, of Lewis. Yeah, just the McLeods of Lewis. Now, they had branches on the mainland in Ascent and some other places, but that branch of the McLeods, the Sheel Torquil, they were eventually vanquished by the Mackenzies. And the Mackenzies in the 1600s came to own Lewis, which was the traditional hometown, home territory of the McLeods of Lewis. Anyway, they, they, they fade out as a powerful force within Scotland, unlike their, their kin, the, the uh, Shield Tormid. All right, so there's, the, there's just a little bit about the McLeods. Now, I, I probably need to do a whole episode on another Scandinavian-descended clan because they were such a big deal in Scottish history. And I'm talking about the clans that descend from Summerlid or Sowerle in the, in the Gaelic version of it. Summerlid is how you'll see it in history books a lot. Summerlid is an interesting person. He, he, the name Summerlid is a very Scandinavian name, an Old Norse name. Yet, when when the old Shanachis, the storytellers and the bards and, the, and the, the old Gallic record keepers give you his genealogy, they claim a, a, a Gallic descent for him, clear, going clear back to Khan of the Hundred Battles of legendary Irish fame. Now, does he really descend from them, from these, this uh, prestigious Gallic line? Maybe he does. Maybe they are completely right in that. And maybe it goes through his mother's, or his, uh, it, not necessarily his mom's, but maybe his grandmother's line. I don't know where he gets this Gallic descent, but his name is very Norse. And so his, uh, yeah, you can, you can look up more information on him and see where you think that goes back. But just keep in mind that, that local prejudices often, often colored um, what's the word I'm looking for? The uh, the genealogies of these, the pedigree charts, the pedigrees, the local prejudice would would color the pedigrees that they would give for these prominent people. From Summerlid, we have descended three main clans. Now you're probably only familiar with two of them today because one faded out of existence. And and I, once again, I, I'm really convinced that I just need to do a whole episode just on this clan. Because what you have from this from Summerled, you have the McRorys, the McDougals, and the McDonalds. Now, often you'll hear me. I don't give the Gallic pronunciation for all the clans. I'm just I don't know where. And maybe you can help me out with this. Go on the Facebook page and answer to this, or on Podbean, ScottishClans.Podbean.com. You can you can leave comments on there too. But any, if any of you know where the D came in for the, at the end of McDonald, let me know. I, I, my guess is that it's a Latin convention and they needed it to make sense linguistically in Latin. I'm not sure, but never do you see the D on the end of the name when you see the, the Gallic version of it. 
So you'll hear me say McDonald without the D on it a lot, but I, that's going down slightly down a road that I'm not prepared to go down and start using the Gallic pronunciation of every, every clan name. But, but there you have it. You have those three clans, the McRory's, the McDougal's, the McDonald's, who are descended from Summerlid. And the McRory's, they eventually get to the point where they just have an heiress, and she marries, and they, a lot of times they call her Amy. That's not the Gallic name she had, but she marries a McDonald, and he inherits all of her land. So everything that the McRory's, and they were a big deal, but that's one reason how the McDonald's acquire so much territory is through the McRory's. They, they, they pulled all that, all that land into their, their inheritance. The, Mc, the McDougals were a big deal. In fact, they are the senior branch of this kindred, and, but they chose the wrong side in the, the, uh, the conflict after Alexander III died, and you have all these people who claim that they've got the best claim on the Scottish throne, and this is where you see Robert the Bruce come out of. Well, the McDougals were connected by marriage to the Cummins, who were one of the competitors to Robert the Bruce, they lost. McDougal's were on the wrong side of that fight. Uh, not necessarily morally, but they were on the losing side of that fight. And, and a lot of their lands were confis- confiscated by Robert the Bruce. But they did survive as a, as a kindred anyway. And the, what you have is out of those three, the McDonald's really become the, the big deal. And, and we'll talk more about them later, like I mentioned. Anyway, those are the, the Norse clans. I just wanted to go into a little bit of detail on that. And in the McDonald's, you know, Donald is not in, in linguistic origin, a, nor, is, nor is Dougal or Rory of these, of these three clans. They're not a, a, a Gallican, well, they're not Norse in origin, yet they do come from Summerlid, who had a very strong Norse um, part of his family. And he might have been a, a, the offspring of a... a powerful Gallic and Norse family that came together and he's the, he's one of the, the uh, products of that anyway Donald I actually think comes from a Brythonic or origin you have Dovnul and then Dougal is a Gallic is, and Dougal and Rory my understanding is they are Gallic in origin once again if I'm wrong on this go ahead get on Facebook correct me so, so there's my Norse clans. That's all I'm going to go into there. The Norman clans, the Normans were a big deal in Scotland. Now, they are a little bit different in Scotland than they are in England. In England, they and in Wales, they come in by force. In Scotland, they were invited in. David I, who before he was the king of Scotland, had to flee to England for exile, and he fled to an England that was in Norman hands and they treated him very well. So he comes from this experience. He has a very favorable opinion of Normans. In fact, when he goes back to get his throne back in Scotland, he does so with the help of several Norman friends, Norman lords who have their own followings and how to, and, and it was successful. He gets the throne back, becomes David, the first of Scotland. And what does he do with these loyal Normans that helped him? He gives them land and title. Now what happens when, and this happened not just in one particular part of Scotland, this happened all through 
Scotland. In fact, let me use this time to give you the names of some of these kindreds that come from these Normans, and then I will uh, talk a little bit more after that about what happens when the Normans come in. So I'm just going to go down and list the names. I'm not going to do like I did with the Norse clans. Um, I'm just going to start listing names. So you have Bruce, Cummin, Montgomery, Fraser. Yeah, and yes, I'm going to go back on that comment I just made. I'm going to make a brief note about the Frasers. The Frasers have a a their they, their origin is in the lowlands. In fact, I think it's near the border, but they have a branch of that, a split off of that family that gets established in the Great Glen on the north side, the northwest side of the Great Glen, northwest of Loch Ness, and they become the Frasers of Lovett, and they become kind of a big deal up there. Then also you have the Grants. Now, if you want to get into a little bit detail on Grants, this is interesting because they're Norman in origin, yet somehow they tie in with the McGregors and a few other clans who claim to be Sheel Alpin. And there you hear that term again, Sheel, the seed of Alpin. If you remember back in the Dalriada episode, the leading kindred of, of the Dalriada, the, that, that dynasty intermarries with the Pictish dynasties and so you have this hybrid Pictish gale that become that, that produces the kings of Alaba. But the first king that they recognize as a king of both Picts and Scots, this, the, the Gaelic-speaking group, is a man named Kenneth MacAlpin. And so this is a bloodline, this is a group of people who claim descent from this family. So the Grants are part of that, and I, I'm not really sure about how they tie back into that, and you can look that up, I'm sure, and find it pretty easy. Keeping on the, the list, you have the Murrays and the Sutherlands. Now, another quick note on them. Not really Norman. They, they both, both of these clans claim descent from Frescan de Moravia. Now, Moravia is the, just the Latin version of Murray. In Gallic, it sounds like Murav. In, in the spelling, to people who are not familiar with this, it looks like Moray. Anyway, this Frescan was a Flemish knight who won the favor of the Scottish king and was given a lot of power and territory up in the north of Scotland. Murray's and the Sutherlands descend from him. Another, other clans that claim a, a Norse descent are the Crawfords, the Hayes, the Hunters, Innes, Jardine, Kerr, Menzies, Ramsey, Sinclair, and last but certainly not least, the Stuarts, who produced the longest uh, and and most prominent Scottish dynasty, especially in the area that we're talking about, where the clans as we would recognize them are established and operating as as kindreds in, in historical Scotland. This, most of that time period is cu- covered by Stuart monarchs. And actually the Stuarts, I got to make a note on them too, like I did with the Murrays and Sutherlands. Speaking of people who aren't actually Normans, the Stuarts are actually Bretons. They they came out of Brittany, and it's it's a his, historical fact that when the Normans came north to conquer England, they had a pretty strong group of of Breton knights with them, and who also established a presence in England. And then this group of them pushed north, and and they were established in Scotland to become actually royalty there. So there's the Stuarts, and maybe they deserve an episode of their own too. I'm sure that I'm sure they do because that that's an interesting family. They have lowland versions of them that 
come to disdain anything that's Gallic, but then you also have branches of the Stuarts who settled in the Highlands and became, I mean, they looked, uh, it, was, it would be really hard if you didn't know their, their name to look at them and the neighboring Gallic clans and tell the difference. They, they adopted the Gallic language, a lot of like, like the Normans did in Ireland, where they became completely, quote-unquote, Gaelicized. That happened with certain branches of the Stuarts as well. Anyway, that's, and that's not meant to be an exhaustive list of the Norman clans or the Norse clans. But just I just thought that we need to talk about those two ethnic groups that pr- produced a very— uh, they made a very significant contribution to the kindreds of Scotland and the history of Scotland. So there you go. And I hope that was, that was good for you. If you have any questions, anything that you feel like I left out that was major— Please go on on the Scottish Clans Facebook page or on scottishclans.podbean.com and leave me some, leave me some uh, feedback on there. What did I miss? What did I get wrong? I don't claim to be all-knowing on this subject. I just love talking about it and look forward to doing more of it in the future with you. So uh, one more thing that um, whether you have any critique or not, if you would just subscribe to the podcast and give me a, a rating as high as you feel comfortable with and being honest at the same time. I sure appreciate you joining me to be joining me today and I will uh, I'll look forward to interacting with you in the future. Have a great day.